Hello, this is Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. And once again, I have a great guest. I'm super excited to speak with Will Ramsey from Miamisburg, Ohio. I just met Will, I mean, literally within a couple of months ago. And this, the velocity of social media is that you can meet some amazing people and some incredible stories in a very short amount of time. So really excited to uh, hear about Will's story, kind of turn the spotlight on him. That's the wonder of doing the Living Undeterred podcast is it's so not about me. It's about we. It's about our guests. So with that, Will, thanks for being on the podcast tonight. And I look forward to our conversation. Absolutely, Jeff. Appreciate you having me on. Um, it's been an interesting, oh, let's see. It's going to be 27 months. It's been an interesting 27 months, without a doubt. Without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, and I see... I see like you, like me got pulled into this vortex of being on podcasts and being interviewed and right. You know, the advice I can give you as a, as a friend and as an ally, cause I've got six years now doing this is you got to be a little careful cause it's easy to get addicted to it. Um, <laughs> it is. And I, I even wrote a blog called my vulnerability to addiction because I was just so focused on making sure I continued his story and then I finally realized I don't want to do it at my demise. So, you know, it looks like you're doing great. I mean, for 20 something months of uh, being what you've been dealt with, which we're going to talk about to our guests. Um, I admire your strength, man. I mean, what you are doing is rare. Most people that go through what you and I have been through, um, they don't come out of it. Uh, it, it. It's literally a death sentence. And um you know, you and I are trying to stop that cycle and that's, right. that's what motivates us to do these, these type of things. So why don't you just, we'll go back, we'll step way back and talk about, maybe we'll start with that day. How about we start with what happened and then we'll talk a little bit before, and then we'll talk about after and kind of what you're doing now, but let's go back to the day that this event happened. It changed your life. So, <laughs> um, February 10th, 2020, um, mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm a car, I'm a car guy, but was in the car business for 25 years. And so I was at the dealership. I was new car manager and I got a message on my phone from, uh, Brock's girlfriend at the time. And Brock's your son. Yeah. Yep. Brock, Brock Ramsey. He's my son. Yep. And I got a message from his girlfriend and she reached out and she said, Hey, I haven't heard from Brock since 10 o'clock last night. Um, I, contacted the motel he was staying in. So just to give you a little background, Brock was a recovering addict. He'd been through some different things. Mm -hmm. And so at the time he was actually working for a company that was hiring recovering addicts oh. and they were, and they were doing um, work on the railroad. So they were checking tracks. And, and so he was traveling around different places um, in the state of Ohio and Kentucky and, and, uh, didn't get too far, far away from Ohio. It was usually Kentucky and Indiana. And I think maybe a little bit of Pennsylvania, but not a whole lot. Okay. And so what they did is they sent him, unfortunately, they sent him to an area that he was very familiar with, which was Wapakoneta, Ohio. Okay. Um, that's where he first got addicted. That's where he first, um, hmm. unfortunately, his mother got him addicted to pills when he was 14 years old. Hmm. And wow. yeah. So he, they sent him back to that area and, you know, obviously he had to do his job. So hope they were obviously hoping that there wouldn't be an issue. What I had not known was, is that Brock had had a relapse in December. 
Mm, so, okay. so they sent him to that area. He had already relapsed. So he, was, how long is he, how long was he in recovery before the relapse? Um, I want to say he'd been in recovery. Well, he'd been in and out of recovery, but at that point he had been clean over a year okay. and had been, and had been out of recovery for over a year, had went through recovery. Um, I want to say for about a year. Okay. He'd went, he'd went through a, um, recovery program in Middletown, Ohio called Hope House. Okay. And we actually, yeah. we, we actually, um, donated to them at his funeral. Um, because he had helped him through his recovery. But anyway, so that day she given me a message and said, Hey, can you reach out? I have this police officer's phone number. So, and she said, they, they're doing a death investigation. Hmm. Wow. Did you, yeah. do you have that pit feeling in your stomach? I, it, it, I don't know how to describe it. I, it was, it was, it was nervous anticipation knowing already knowing what the answer was going to be, but, mm-hmm. but praying to God, I was wrong. Right. Right. Does that make right. sense? Just yep, praying absolutely. to God I was wrong. Absolutely. And so I, I called the police officer and, and, uh, told him who I was said, Hey, this is William Ramsey. You know, I gave him my formal name. Uh, this is William Ramsey. I'm calling in regards. My understanding is you're doing a death investigation and I'm an hour, over an hour away and I can't get there right away. So could you please tell me what's going on? I'm looking for my son. Brock. And he said, well, we are doing an investigation, sir. He said, um, you know, what was your name again? And I told him my name. He said, well, what is your address? So I gave him my address and, um, <laughs> hmm. he said, Mr. Ramsey, I'm sorry to inform you that, that your son has passed. Hmm. And so that was two o'clock in the, in the hmm. afternoon on February, um, February 11th, 2020. And I hmm. remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I can replay that scene over and over again. Um, Mm. I was at work. Um, I actually made the mistake of sitting down at my desk to, to talk to the officer instead of walking outside. So I, so I, I worked at that spot for an additional year and a half after that happened. And, uh, so I'd go and sit in that spot every day for a year and a half. Mm. Um, so that was not easy. That was not easy at all. So how long was his, how long was his addiction journey? Um, it started when he was 14 years old. Um, and he passed him, away at what age? Uh, 29. Okay. So he had a 15 year journey. Yeah. It started with pills. Um, it started with Oxycontin, uh, hydrocortone, Neurontin, and, and a man, all manner of other things. And I'm pretty certain he was using other drugs on top of that too. Now, has um, he prescribed anything? Cause like when our son started his journey. It was Stratera in, I think, fifth or sixth grade. And then it was Adderall when he was 16 and that started everything. No, his mother, his mother was a, um, pill addict. Um, oh, so she started them just on the pleasure side, not for a prescription side. Just right. To, well, she, okay. she got, she got addicted to them. So she and I split and she, she'd had a car accident and she had something happen with her back. And so the problem was, is she got addicted to pills at that point in time, but I didn't know it because we weren't together. And that's right. a whole nother story. I don't even want to get into. Sure. Um, yep. I understand. But, yep. Right. So the problem was, is that he went, I let him go stay with her. I got mm-hmm. custody of my kids in 1999. Um, she had went to prison. So I got emergency yeah. custody of them. And because of the pills, she yeah. went to prison. So I got Brock, when he was nine, his 
my daughter Marissa when she was five and my youngest when she was 10 months old. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm raising them, you know, I'm in the car business. I have to get sitters and all kinds of craziness. I'm, mm-hmm. I actually had to stay with my dad for a little while because I didn't have, you know, it's a whole another long story, but, but at the end of the day, we, we had moved to Milford, Ohio, my, my current wife and I, and Brock and I'd got into it over something. I was a pretty strict parent back then. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, to save both the problems between he and I, I said, I'm gonna let you go stay with your mother and, and your grandfather. Well, that was the biggest mistake I could have ever made. I should have just kept him with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he went up there and stayed and that's when he got hooked on the pills. That's she was having him run drugs for her and, and do Jeez. all kinds of stuff. And wow. I didn't find out about that until after she went back to jail and his grandfather died. So he had to come back and live with me. And I went back and got him and, and he shared that with Julie and I, my wife, my current wife, mm-hmm. we've been married almost 16 years. Um, he shared that with her and I. So that's how we found out that he, he had gotten hooked on pills and, but I don't know how he hit it through school and, and through all those different things. I don't know if he was going to friends' houses and staying and doing it and, and we didn't catch it uh, because I'm not certain how he was getting, doing it and getting away with it, or we maybe mm-hmm. were just turning a blind eye. I don't know. Um, but we really couldn't figure out how he was actually um, having problems with pills. And I didn't, I even found out even more after. So he overdosed back in 2012 and almost died okay. then. Okay. And his girlfriend shared with me that he had lived with us when he graduated from high school. He had taken his graduation money and just bolted out of his graduation party. And I couldn't, and we couldn't quite understand why he'd given us some excuse. Well, while he's in the hospital, his girlfriend at the time was sitting there with me and she shared with me that he took all of his graduation money and went and bought drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and had, you know, so he struggled with pills. He was struggling with pills even, even in high school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, How, how's your other two, the other two kids, have they, they've adjusted okay with this or how's that affected them? Oh, <laughs> tough, tough um, topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're dealing with it in their own way. Um, yeah. you know, Marissa is, um, says that she's a medium and that she's, she talks to the dead. So mm. that didn't really come out until after Brock passed. Okay. Um, I told her, well, I believe you're talking to something, but yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. And then, right. um, Maddie, Maddie was a reader. Um, so she, she has an addictive personality, but her addiction is to reading. Um, mm. I could, I could carry the camera into her former room right now. And I, she's got a closet full of books in there in boxes. Mm. So, wow. so, uh, but she's, she's, um, so Marissa lives in Columbus, Ohio, and she, she's moved out of the country and then moved back to the country a couple different times. And then Maddie lives in Virginia. Um, she went down there to be a nanny and then mm. she's okay. elected to stay down there. So, but, um, you know, they're, they're dealing with it in their own way. So how, how are you dealing with it? Um, through God, okay. through God. Um, he's, he's helped me. So the crazy part of it is, is so when Brock first passed, um, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know obviously what, what was, how I was going to deal with it. And then basically what happened was, is I've, I just get up every morning. I'd pray. There's mornings I didn't want to get up. There's mornings I didn't want to do anything. 
Right. Um, I would, I would curl up in a ball and, and cry on my wife's chest. And then I, I had something inside of me, which just pride me. Okay. You got to get up, you got to go, mm-hmm. got to do this. And I did that for about eight months in a, in a deep, dark hole, um, was in a massive depression. Um, I did go and see counseling about three months afterwards. So I've been with, okay. I've, I've seen a counselor and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that if, oh, if sure somebody that. needs counseling, I right. strongly encourage they get it. Right. Um, whether it be Christian counseling or not Christian counseling, I would encourage Christian counseling, but, um, but I would strongly encourage they get some sort of counseling, um, mm-hmm. because you're, you're going to have a hard time doing this on your own. Right. Um, you need somebody to talk to about it. That's outside. That's on the outside looking in. That's not right there. Um, but so I, I got the counseling help and I've been, I actually have a session tomorrow. Um, hmm. but so I got to December and I'd been stuck in a hole, been stuck in that dark place. And finally, God said to me, he said, you need to figure out a way to, to get through this, to get out of this. You know, you've got to do something different. What you're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a phrase that was called, it was called focus forward. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I put a hashtag in front of it. it's hashtag focus forward. And what it is, is we focus forward on what's in front of us and what God has for us and not long back over our shoulder, what's behind us, what we've lost or what we might've left behind. And the reason being is because your son, my son doesn't want us to be stuck in that moment of death. Mm-hmm. That's not the, I know, it. I know it's a, a finality for them, but it's mm-hmm. really not. And it's not, and we can't be a finality for us. We have to right. keep them alive. We have to keep their memory alive. We have to keep, we have to help others not get stuck in that moment. Because the problem is, is when you get stuck in the moment, now it becomes, becomes a groove that becomes a rut that becomes a grave. You know, you talked about it yourself. It's usually a death sentence for people. They get stuck and they don't want to move. They don't want to function. They don't want to, they're, they're reliving that moment over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm not saying to forget about it. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying not to, to think about it. I'm saying that you have to move forward one step at a time into what you think in front of you. Why do you think so many people have this, you know, dip, have a inability to find ways to move forward? As I like to say, evolve ourselves, you know, adapt and change, evolve, whatever. But it's like, wh- why do you think so many people have barriers to be able to do this? I mean, I have my own thoughts, but I wanted to see what you thought. I think, I think it's, I think because it's such a loss, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, losing a parent is, is expected. Yeah. Um, at some point you're going to lose your spouse. It's not something that you want to do, obviously. And it's not something yeah. that you, you look for, but it's more of a, a, I don't want to say expected loss, but it's more of a, a loss that, that makes mentally makes more sense. Yeah. Yep. The math uh, works out that way. Yeah. Right. But with children, Parents aren't supposed to bury children, right? Um, it's not a, it's not a, a mathematical, you know, it's, it, it doesn't, the equation doesn't make sense. Right. We're not, they're supposed to bury us. We're not supposed to bury them. Right. And I think that's what happens is, is people get stuck and crippled in that moment of that losing that child. And, and it's very, very difficult to get out of. I can tell you right now, if I was the same person I was 12 years ago, I'd be stuck in a bottle. Yeah, um, me too. Yep. You know, if, if I was that same person, you know, 12 years ago or 13 years ago, 
I would have crawled into a bottle and nobody would ever found me. And I'd probably either be dead or in jail. Yeah. I, I, everything you're saying makes complete sense. And with the amazing thing about this podcast and about the living undeterred project that we're on, everyone's got such diverse experiences in different ways, how to handle all these things. And I think there's something to me that's kind of coming to the forefront. And I asked you that question about why do you think so many people have this inability to handle and I've come up with these things. I call them the living undeterred mindset. And there's, there's three of them, but the first one is what we're talking about a little bit and that's expectations and take death. For example, I mean, this is the easiest one to give an example to, because, you know, I can't predict if you're going to quit drinking. Well, I can't predict if you're going to do drugs. I can't predict if you're going to get divorced, but I can predict you're going to die. Right. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty certain. I, I don't need a meteorologist to tell me that. Yet, when death presents itself to us, we we just seem like it it shouldn't happen or it can't happen or why does it happen like we're being punished by somebody. And I think this inability for us to have a healthy relationship with death is what's holding back society in general. And I'm really, really puzzled on how some societies even look at death as they embrace it. They they celebrate it. Right. And we were just, we're so custom at a young age. I remember all the funerals I went to when I was a child. It was like, dreary days and sad and crying and black outfits. And it's just like, no wonder people are so stuck in this. Is it that it, it, it's just presented that way that that's how death is. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think we have to accept that. I, I don't think we have to look at death as, as anything other than death. Um, and, and I think what I'm trying to do is find people that are kind of breaking this mold not just death, but in, in how we do everything. The process of grief is just, I think it should be challenged. I really do. I think the five stages of death is antiquated. I, I studied Kubler-Ross back in college and I, I think it's great, but it doesn't mean we have to, we have to live that way. And so I haven't had you answer the question yet because I'm kind of setting you up here, but so going back to expectations, that to me is like the big problem I think we have. So I guess, do you have any any thoughts or your, I know you're, you're a big, strong man of faith. And so I'm sure for you, a lot of what yes. expectations are is because it's God's way. And so, um, but have you always thought that way? Is that something that's always been kind of your, your answer to these things? Or did, did you ever have a situation in your life where you've questioned a lot of things and that was kind of what you came up with? Well, so it's funny that you asked me that question because, um, I, you know, I had fallen away from God for about 20 years. So okay. when I, when I said 13 years ago or, or however long ago it was, um, I just, I just rededicated my heart back to Christ back in 2010. So it's been about okay. 12, 12 years ago. So, okay. I mean, sure. There was a lot of times, you know, before that, that, you know, I would question a lot of things. You know, my little brother was paralyzed from the waist down, mm. um, back in 2001 from a skiing accident. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there asking, I'm sitting in the bar getting drunk. Of course. Yeah. Um, of course. Cause that's what <laughs> yeah. I did back then. Yeah. And, me too. And, and, uh, you know, I get the phone call from my dad. Um, I'm actually, da I was dating the, the, per the girl that owned the bar at the time. And, um, I get the phone call from my dad says, Hey, by the way, don't come up here. Um, cause I don't want to have to deal with you with him, you know, with his back broken. And mm -hmm. so I'm sitting there ticked at God because I'm going, why wasn't it me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, why wasn't it me? Well, right. I know why it wasn't me because I'm, I'm way more, I was way more outgoing 
and way more. He was mentally better suited for this to happen. I'm not saying it was God's will for that to happen by, mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but right. he mentally, he was better suited to be able to deal with it. And he struggles with it. I mean, he's, he's 30. Oh goodness. He's 37 years old. And he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. He's been in a wheelchair ever since. Um, wow. he, and it, believe it or not, he was, he was, it was a senior trip, skip day trip. It was one of those planned ones. Yeah, because wow. back in the day when we did it, it was yeah, it wasn't not, planned. Not but planned, they, no. Right, but we had, so, so they, we had skip we had skip weeks back in the right, day. <laughs> right, right, right. But he so they planned it. They went up to uh, they went up to a ski resort here in Ohio, and and uh, he was on the last run before lunch, and he fell and slid into one of the uh, poles for the ski lift, and they mm. didn't have any they didn't have any hay bales around it. He slid into it backwards and it, it bent him in half and broke his back. Oh man. And so, Jeez. so, you know, you know, so dad's up there trying to deal with him in the hospital and, and, you know, my girlfriend's mad at me cause she's like, why aren't you going up there? And I said, because my dad asked me not to come. Right. Um, you know, I respect my father's wishes and he said not to come. So I didn't go. So to answer, to give you a long answer to a short question, um, there's been plenty of times where I was mad at God. There's been plenty mm-hmm. of times where, um, but obviously I don't believe that, you know, Brock's death was the end. Um, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier, I'm a strong, you know, God's given me a strong faith in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe what his word says. Uh, Brock gave his heart to Christ in 2013, mm-hmm. um, actually in, on January 20th of 2013. And and so I believe he's in heaven. I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, that I'm going to see him again. And I mm-hmm. think that helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect other people's beliefs. This is what I believe. This is mm-hmm. what the Bible tells me. It says, I respect other people's beliefs. Um, they may not necessarily agree with me and that's okay. Right. <laughs> I know it's amazing because I've got, you know, over my, I'm 56 years old. It's like, you know, had so many really deep, I, I love conversations like that when you really get deep and, and, you know, some people get either defensive or argumentative and then other people are like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to learn and I respect your thoughts. And so it's like, this whole, I, I had a lady one time after Seth died, I met her on Facebook and she seemed really nice. And then it wasn't very long where I was in a zoom meeting with her friend, a medium. And they were like, you want to talk to Seth? Right. And I'm like, huh? So I, I basically, I was tricked, right. you know, and I was lured in thinking I was, you know, developing a, a new connection in this mental health space. And, and I just, I was really kind of put back that there's people that prey on people that are, you know, so of course I didn't take that. And, um, you mentioned your daughter was a medium, right? My, my brother's a ghost hunter. Okay. He, he runs Cedar Rapids paranormal here in Cedar Rapids, but he comes from a skeptic lens. So he's out there trying to debunk things and help, help families understand, give some closure. And it's in, it's interesting to talk about these things because at the end of the day, I mean, does it really matter? does it really matter anything other than how you behave as a good human? I mean, you could believe one thing. I could believe one, someone else could believe another. Um, but if you just are a good person and you're honest and you you're helping other people and you're having an enjoyable life, why does it, why does it really matter? I think we get so caught up. We get so caught up on people's belief structures, even politically. It's like, you know, why don't we just go off behavior? I, I watch what you're doing. Your, your belief structure is admirable. I love it, but I like your behavior. I like what you're doing, you know, 
I know so many people that will, matter of fact, matter of fact, the, the most disruptive relationship I had was two weeks ago, a good friend of mine, I won't get into details, but shocking betrayal, shocking injustice to me. And he's one of the strongest, um, Catholic people I know. And I was just set back. I was asking myself, you know, if that's supposed to teach you, you know, forgiveness and do unto others and all that. And I'm like, so there's an example where somebody that kind of acts like he is one way, but then his actions don't determine it. So on this journey I'm on, I've got this hodgepodge, this collection of great humans, and I don't really care what they believe. You know, it's, it's, I just, you know, I, I'm excited about your story. The next person I have on, they'll have a story. You're right. doing good things for humanity. You're helping yourself. You're honoring Brock. And, and that's the beauty of all this journey. And, um, so I go back to your relationship with death. It's like, you know, I think personally, you know, I want to know your opinion on this is, you know, there's a tremendous utility in believing in, in a lot of things like the afterlife and things like that. Um, yet it's difficult for me to get in conversations when people get really pushy in that area, you know, and, and I've noticed, um, some people on Facebook that, uh, I don't know, just to me, it gets a little toxic when they get over, but it's no different than any organization that's on the other end. That's they're toxic as well. Sure. I mean, how, how do you, how do you stay kind of neutral? Um, or, or maybe that's not the objective. Maybe the objective is, you know, to, to get people to feel better. You believe, or somebody believes in something. So they're trying to get that idea out, but cause we, we're such a cancel culture today. It's like, I, it's like, you voice an opinion on something today. It's like, man, you just get shot down. So it's like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know where there's a question in that. It's more of a comment. Well, I try to, I try, honestly, I try to share what I believe and what's mm -hmm. helped me and right. what, what's worked for me. Right. And, and if somebody can, can take that and, you know, because, you know, I believe Jesus Christ was the son of God. And I believe that, that God is, you know, who he says he is. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, and I, and I believe that very strongly. And, but I'm not going to jam it down somebody's throat. I'm mm -hmm. not going to force that. Well, you got to believe this way. Sure. You know, I want them to see that through me. Am I Show perfect? your actions, right? Your actions. I, am right? I perfect? Not, not even close. Do I make yeah. mistakes? Absolutely. Do I get angry? Do I get upset? Do <laughs> I act like an idiot sometimes? Do I say things out of the way? Absolutely. Right. I'm not sitting here trying to say that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Do I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God? Absolutely. Do I believe he died for my sins? Most definitely. It yeah. is, is that, is that what I believe? Yes, very much so. And I will scream it from the mountaintops. And, and the thing of it is, is people have to understand that that's what I believe. And if you choose mm -hmm. to believe that with me, then that's awesome. And that's, and that's going to, that's going to save you. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the way it is. If you choose not to believe that, then that's on you. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's up to you. It's you have that control, choice. control things you can control, right? You can't, control I, I can't control what other people do, right? I can share what I believe and I can share it with you and I can share it with other people. And that's what I do. I have a morning show that I do, uh, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, yeah. and Friday. It's called the morning word with Will. I get mm -hmm. on there and I talk about relevant things that are happening in the world today and, and what, how I believe the Bible goes along with those things and, and what people deal with. And, and I've talked about my, my struggles with, um, fear and my struggles with anxiety, my stroke, you know, one of the big things, and I don't, I'm going to ask you a question um, sure. because you've been on this journey longer than I have. Yeah. And so 
Was anxiety something that you dealt with uh, strongly when Seth passed? Was that something that hit you? Mm. Um, do you remember? I do. I'm trying to define anxiety in my mind before I answer. Um, cause I think everybody probably has their own subjective definition of it. Um, I, I think I battled primarily like you probably did too. I, maybe you didn't, but I, I know I did is, is guilt. I, I battled that. I let him down like on my watch. I, 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 you know, I didn't let him die. He, he put the needle in his arm. I wasn't right. there when he, I would have talked him out of it had it been there. Um, sure. and most of the decisions he's made, I was against. I mean, I, I told him one time, I said, you know, all I am Seth at this point is I'm a fire chief. I just put out fires. It's all I do. Right. I pay your bills and put out fires. And that's how our relationship kind of fell apart. But then when he got out of prison, boy, he was looking great. And, um, you know, just met a girl that was in heroin. And I really thought he, I really thought rock bottom was prison. I didn't think rock bottom was death. Right. And 60 days out, he was dead. But back to your question about, you know, anxiety. Um, you know, I've, I, I, I've never really had anxiety just like I've never had depression, but I get nervous. Um, I get sad, but I, I, you know, anxiety, I, I don't think I, I don't think I struggled with that. Um, I would say I'm, I'm impatient, you know, I, I, I especially with the projects we're doing, you know, I just, I, I like, you know, what can I do next to honor Seth and my right. wife? What can I do next? And it's like, I, I don't have an off button and people in my bubble drives them crazy. And, but again, wouldn't you rather the will be that person or be somebody that can't get motivated or has struggles with ideas and creativity, or would you rather be somebody that has too many projects going that they don't know where to go? You know, I'd, I, I I'd rather know. be somebody that has too many projects going, don't know where to go, which is yeah, exactly so, where I'm at right now. So <laughs> turn it back to anxiety with you, you know, it's like, how did you, cope with you gave it you don't drink so obviously you know no. you can't cope drinking and you don't do drugs and i don't either and nope. it's like how'd you cope with your anxiety then well so um it's something that so part of my grief journey and part of part of the things that i've been dealing with is is so it'll it'll hit me out of nowhere um a lot of times so brock died on a on a tuesday okay. um so mondays and tuesdays can be very difficult for me um you know, and don't ask me why. Um, I, I think it's a PTSD thing. Yeah, and, I'm sure it is. And yeah. so I, I'd wake up. So it would start Sunday night. The way, when it when he first passed, this is part of the journey. When he first passed, um, Sunday nights into Mondays into Tuesday were terrible. I mean, it was Not just bad. awful. I mean, it was just you know, at one point, you know, there was been a couple of times early on. At one point, I'm like, you know, doing mm -hmm. one of these in a corner of my couch kind of curled up in a little bit of a ball, mm -hmm. you know, my wife's kind of asking me what's going on with you. And I said, I have no idea. I don't know. You know, so that was my posture. And, you know, in the mornings I'd wake up on a Monday or a Tuesday and I, you know, I'd be curled up in a ball crying in the bed and she'd have to sit there and hold me for 30 minutes while I ball like a baby. And, and, and so, I mean, you asked me how I got through that prayer. Um, mm -hmm. you know, just a lot of, a lot of, asking God to help me, um, yeah. doing counseling. Um, honestly, there it is. Um, one of the things that I've done and it's part of, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's called first focus. It's a journal that my wife and I made. Um, oh, great. So I get up in the mornings, I'll read my Bible and then I literally will just write down whatever's on my mind in this journal. Do you, do you ever let anyone, does your wife get to read that or do you read your own journal? Um, I'll, I've got, 
ones back here behind me on the shelf that I've, I started, um, I was doing it intermittently before Brock passed. Yeah. But, but once he passed, it was, it's daily. It's just, been it's daily. interesting. You say this, you're like the fourth person now that's brought up journaling and all in the last like nine podcasts. And actually two people have already sent me journals. One guy, um, I was on his podcast and he sent me, um, it's called uh, war, uh, wartime leadership and the guy's in the air force and he sent nice. me his journal. And, um, but it's interesting because I think there is something to journaling and, and I've, I don't journal, but I write, you know, I write, I, I'm working on my next book. I've uh, on, nice. on the tour. I'm, I'm be writing a lot on the tour through the interviews. Um, so that's kind of journaling, but I've always been wondering if you write, if you do a journal, is the intent to like, never look at it, you know? And I, I will tell you, um, a friend of mine said that he has journals that he, 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 he has a lot of stuff in there and he put them away. And I said, have you ever thought about what happens when you die? You know, because I found my wife's journals when she died. Oh my. I read them. She's, she's, she's gone. So it's like, right. it's not like I found my son's diary, you know? Right. Um, I mean, my, my living son's diary, you know, right. my wife's not here, so I, I can't judge her. I can't do anything. I mean, and I was quite shocked in some of the things that were in there that she had said some things about our marriage early on that, you know, obviously I wasn't aware of that she wasn't happy with things that, you know, as a man, it was kind of surprising. And so I, I asked people who journal, you know, are you prepared if you were to die, if your children found that journal, I guarantee you they'll read it. Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, if you found your dad's journal, you'd read it. I mean, right. That's anyone says they wouldn't is lying to you. Sure. Um, so I guess I always ask the question, are you putting stuff in the journal that you don't want somebody to read? And if you did that, do you have it in a safe place that can be like, you know, destroyed when you die or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, honestly, everything that I put in the journal is usually what I'm feeling in the moment. Um, right. Not, and, not your deepest, darkest secrets, you know? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm couldn't I'm, do that either. <laughs> I'm writing what's, what's on my heart at the moment and what sure. I'm dealing with, you know, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's, you know, it's heavy stuff, but it's not like, you know, right. Legacy it's, defining things and ruin your whole family. You know? No, no, that's, <laughs> that's not, I'm, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Well, I don't know how I got off on that, but you're like the fourth person that's brought up journaling. And I'm like, well, sure. I, mean, I keep, I keep asking that question, but well, so journaling is a good coping mechanism, obviously for you, it's, it's worked. And I think for people that are starting to follow you, because you know, like me, I, I started off not knowing where this would go. And now, now you're starting to get a little bit of a following. You're sure. on podcast now. Sure. And so there's going to be this, this, um, this, uh, level of respect you'll start getting in the kind of the podcast world. And, um, you know, again, I, I just think it's, I'm really excited to see how new people to this club, you know, you, uh, are dealing with this because I just had a lady on this morning before you, who she's been dealing with this now for you know 15 years. Oh, wow. And she would say to me, well, yeah, I remember. So she would say to me, you know, Jeff, you're new to the club. When I, and I'm six years, so I can say to you, you're a baby, you know, you're an right. infant in the club. I mean, and I say that hopefully, you know, I'm saying it respectfully. Absolutely. We have to have the ability to laugh and cry and, right. and learn. And it's like, I say, I feel sometimes that there's people that are in this position that you have to dance around. So you don't, you know, I, I, I you, you can't trigger me. I tell somebody one time I'm untriggerable. You can't trigger me. The it's funny, like, 
<laughs> the funny thing about me is, is that I don't, you know, so if I'm talking to somebody that's in our club, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm, t- I don't, I don't pull any punches Good, because, because in my, in my view, there's yeah. no punches that need to be pulled. Right. The punches we've already, the we've already, well, we've already been hit with it. So, yeah. I mean, so, and, 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 and so like, in my opinion, you've got street cred, I've got street mm-hmm. cred, right. whoever's right. lost a child has got street cred. And the other thing is too, is that you've already been kicked in the teeth. So I can't mm-hmm. kick you in the teeth any worse than what you've already been kicked. So, I mean, it's somebody that's not in our club. You know, I, I had a, I had somebody look at me one time and said, it was 10 days after Brock died and asked me when I was going to be over it. Oh, geez. <laughs> Talk about a night, a naive question. Holy cow, <sighs> buddy. When are you going to be over it? When are you hey, going to be me, over it? <laughs> let me, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to ask what happened next. Um, so <laughs> actually let, let, not what you think, believe it or not. <laughs> years, years ago would have probably, right? Um, oh, 13 let, years let me, ago, I'd have been, it had been whooped. <laughs> let me, let me ask you this question because I, I, now that we're, you know, we're, we're in this thing, it's like people really like, I remember when I came to the office the first time is that no, no one gave me eye contact. Right. And, and even today right. there's people that, have a yep. hard time, you know, saying yep. his name, you know, Seth. Yep. And it's like, yep. you know, I, 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 you know, people don't know a lot of this that I, you know, I keep, um, you know, back here on, on this thing, I keep, um, I keep the belt they found on his bed. That was oh, his wow. tourniquet. I keep that next to me. And I, I'm not afraid of that. I, that's why I said, sure. nothing triggers me. And, you know, like I said, going back to looking at coping mechanisms and all these things you and I are kind of talking about, um, I think one stigma that you and I can break and all the other parents out there and brothers and sisters that have lost people is that it's okay to look us in the eye. We're not vampires. It's okay to walk up and say, I'm sorry to hear about Seth. It's okay to reach out and hug me. It's okay to, to walk away too and not say anything. Right. You know, but I, but I think, I think there's this, there's this stigma that you and I and everybody else in this group is just so sensitive and that we can't handle it. You know what? You can't, do anything or say anything to make you and I feel worse than we did on that day. Right. It's not possible. No, it's not possible. Absolutely not. So everybody out there that's know somebody that's lost a loved one, just give them compassion. Right. Let them know how you feel. And you know, the old saying, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. That's great. But how about, I'm sorry for your loss. What can I do to help? You know, that's kind of what I've been saying now when somebody posts something on social media and I say, I, everyone's like, sorry, sorry to hear. I'm like, sorry for your loss. What can I do to help? Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's a proactive way to take a really bad event. And most people are going to say nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. But you know, maybe somebody one time says, yeah, you could let my dogs out when I'm at the hospital or something, you know? And sure. But this whole thing's a learning experience. And, um, it's like funny I that said, you said that, and I don't mean to interrupt. It's funny that no, you said that. No, feel free. But, um, I was on a golf course Sunday, and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm out there, and I'm, you know, I have tattoos all over <laughs> my arm, and it's because of Brock. Brock had tattoos, and sure, and, and uh, I had a couple before Brock passed, and I just made yeah. up my mind that I was going to get um, tattoos of what he had and things that he liked. And that was going to be my way of honoring him. So my whole mm-hmm. right arm, I have a sleeve that goes all the way up to my shoulder and oh, it's cool. all, all the way around the back. And, you know, it's different things that Brock loved and, 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 or he had. And so I'm out playing golf on Sunday and they 
paired me with, or they put me with three other guys and a couple of them were a little bit older. And, and uh, so we get to like the third hole and all of a sudden a guy goes, so Will, I said, yeah, he goes, your tattoos. So what are those about? What, what, how long did that take? You know, he did, he didn't expect He didn't expect the answer that he got. (laughs) And I said, well, I said, so I lost my son 27 months ago or 26. And then boom, you could just hear it all. And he's like, I'm sorry. And I said, yeah, I said, these are everything that he loved. Like I have a big taco, I have a big taco on my arm. Uh, Brock loved tacos. He posts about them every day. Oh, cool. And it has a little banner. It says Brock's taco. Right. Um, but, uh, so the guy's like, Oh, and I said, yeah, I said, you know, I said, this is all. And I kind of told him a little bit about some of them and I could tell the more I told him, the more uncomfortable he got. Yeah. And, it, and but it was just funny to watch. He didn't speak to me. I bet he said, didn't say two more words to me the rest of the round after Wonder I said, why? That. Wonder why? Because it's like what you talked about. People get uncomfortable. They, they couldn't relate they, to you. They all of a sudden, you know, they have children and they can't, and I don't want them to imagine what it would be like to lose their child. Yeah, and I tell absolutely. people that they're like, I can't imagine. I say, don't. Right. But at that point, it's like, okay, he's lost a child. I haven't. What, what how can I even relate to this guy and what he's going through? So they just shut down. And it's like you were talking about a little bit ago, you know, they just shut down. And it's yeah. like, guys, if you would just, hey, what's his name? Yeah. You know, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. How, that how old was him. he? How yeah. old was he? You know, just talk yeah. about it because I don't mind talking about it. Well, you, you wouldn't know? have put the damn tattoo on your arm if you didn't want to talk about right. it. Right. Right. I, so, mean, yeah. I mean, I don't mind talking about it. It right. helps me to talk about it. Yeah. It helps me to, to tell the story. If you right. want to know the story, I have no issues. If you want to hear the story, I have no problems telling you about it. And and I want to tell people about it. The reason I want to tell people about it, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing my yeah. first book. Um, yeah. And I'm telling the story. Um, yeah. I'm I'm going to be a, a public speaker because I want to mm-hmm. tell the story, right. and and I want people to understand that you know just because Brock's no longer here, you know my my wife had a, a my my wife is his stepmother, and she okay. had a perspective. Yeah. She says, "Well, you know, I don't really like talking about it because it's the end." And it's like I, I looked at her and I said, "Well, no, it's not the end. You have mm-hmm. to change your perspective." Right. It's not the end. What it is, is it's a continuation. And the reason being is because his story is going to help somebody else not do what he did. hundred percent. Yep. If I can get somebody to understand that there's hope. And even though Brock's ended in death, that doesn't mean the next person's has to end in death or the next person. And that's the reason you're telling Seth's story. And And that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the lesson is if I was watching this podcast, listening to you and me talk right now, and all my kids are alive and you know, my wife's alive and I'm watching this, I think a couple of things I've taken from this. One is gratitude. I'm going to look at my kids that are here and say, wow, you know, Will, Will can't hug Brock right now. No. You know, and Jeff can't hug Seth. Right. And I can hug, I can hug my kids. So right. I got a pretty, I got a pretty good day going for me, you know? Yes, sir. And then, um, so that gratitude I think is key. And then, also, I think people watching you and I and all the other people that are in this unfortunate club that we're in that um, we mentioned is that um, it's okay to be that guy on the golf course and to say, hey, Will, what's the tattoos for? I think they're pretty cool. 
you tell me the story and I can follow up with questions. Really? How old, how old is Brock? You know, wow, that's, that, that's a great way to tribute him. What's the taco mean? What's the significant, you know, just, and then all of a sudden now you're not even playing golf. You're talking to another human. And I think if we all become more vulnerable and we all learn to let our guard down like that, I think we really can start improving mental health in this country. I'm I'm convinced that connectivity and vulnerability are like the two, um, you know, superpower, uh, superpowers we can have. And you and I have a story to tell and we have a platform to do it because we're both comfortable in speaking and so forth. And there's, there's so many other wills and Jeffs out there, moms and dads and you know, brothers and sisters and grandpas that are doing podcasts and doing charity events. And it's like, you know, we need to, we need to all connect. We need to all get together. And I had, I was telling Jennifer this the other night, my last guest, I had a media person ask us about the tour. A radio station called us in. They said, Oh, you heard about your tour. You know, it's really cool. And they said, I got to ask you a couple of questions. She said, first of all, what problem are you trying to solve? And why, why are you doing the tour? Okay. Now, Will, if you haven't found out, you will find out there are some really ridiculous questions you're going to get asked and they're unanswerable questions. And I call them trap questions because if someone's, if someone says, uh, did you vote for Trump? That's a trap question because (laughs) you you can't answer it. You can't answer it. You know, do you think Biden's an idiot? Well, you can't answer it, you know? Um, and so there's just so many questions that are trap questions that I don't fall to anymore. And so when this media person asked me that question, what problem are you trying to solve? My answer, I really had to think about this because I think this is an important way for you to maybe look at answering these questions is here's my answer. If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing the tour. Amen. That's it. So agreed. So what problem are you trying to solve? If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing the tour. So, Hey, Will, what, what, why are you doing public speaking? If what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing so. And that turned out to me to be kind of this aha moment that I had that I thought, you know, that, that, that's a portable answer. You could plug that in most questions. And now that's going to be kind of my staple answer that I use on our tour when I'm speaking. Yeah. You take, you can't do, I don't, (laughs) I'm stealing. (laughs) You can't, I mean, I have, I'm sharing everything. I, I'm trying to, as you are trying, we're trying to save lives. Um, Absolutely. but I like that. Cause that, you know, the media is going to ask us really dumb questions or not dumb, but naive questions. Right. You know, well, what do you think? What do you think about, you know, how do you feel about losing your son? It's like, man, of all the questions you could have picked, <laughs> come on. Well, really? Well, how do you think I, I feel? <laughs> exactly. And I can't be an ass about it. I got to say, well, What's, you know, it, it ripped my guts funny. out. And so here, you here know, let me show you this one. I'm sure you've seen it. I don't know if you can see it in the camera or not. I can't see it too well, but yeah, Explain See, it. I, so that is a that is a statue that was on Facebook of a parent that's lost a child. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. And I'm sure you've seen yep. that. Yeah, and, I have. And so you want to know how how I feel? Look at that statue. Yeah, I have a yeah. six foot two, two hundred and twenty five pound hole in the middle of my chest, and it's named Brock. That's how, and how I do you feel. Ex- and how do you explain that? That's and that's where just I think again a learning lesson here. People just sure. need to be a little more observant a little more careful to ask questions and not be so ridiculous and offensive. You know, um, it's like, uh, I was in a group of people the other day and somebody said that someone had taken their own lives and guess what the first stupid question, how'd they do it? It's like, it's like, are you, (laughs) am I on the same planet? 
you're going to ask, you know, wow. for, fortunately, none of the relatives were in the group, but it was like four of us standing there. Hey, did you hear this kid took his own life? Really? Wow. That's terrible. How'd he do it? I'm, I turn to the guy and I go, really? That's the first question that pops into your head. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, I just, I just marvel at some of the, uh, the, the way we have to go as a society to get better, to become better humans. And Absolutely. part of it's just being, being a better listener. Yes. Ask better questions. Agreed. You know, being, being really sensitive. And I, you know, I, I don't know, you'll find this out too, Will. And it's so addictive to tell Brock's story. But as I go further down this road now, especially literally going down the road, kind of the less I talk about my story and the more I talk about Brock and other dads and moms, kids, it's actually giving me more energy. I'm, I'm pulling in from your story because mine can be a little nauseating after a while. And who wants to talk about their own story all the time? Right. But, but if I can, you know, hear about Brock, see the tattoo, you know, that's all new, fresh data going into my brain. That's giving me more, more energy for my day. So again, going back to vulnerability, it's like, I really think that you and I and all the other people out there that are struggling with their personal, uh, challenges, share, talk, you know, you know, that's, that's what, you know, your church groups do. I'm sure they, they get really Absolutely. heavy into that. Yeah. I mean, AA meetings, that's based on that. That's the tenant is AA sharing, you know, Hey, I'm Jeff, I'm an alcoholic, you know, and, and you right, right there immediately, right there, you're naked, right. you know, in front of the group. And that's, I think there's something to this that as you, I want to hear about your book too, before we get off the show here. Um, but in your book, I'm sure you're going to be just very vulnerable and you're going to find it therapeutic. Um, cause I'm on my second book and the first one took me, geez, I don't know, a year and a half. And it was, it was very hard to do. There was times I didn't, I shut down for two months. I didn't look, I right. just couldn't, I'd be up 24 hours in a row. Then I wouldn't look at it for a month. Uh, and I'm sure you're going through all those, 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 uh, I just started, believe it or not. I just started it, um, last week. It's, uh, it's, uh, a journey through darkness. Yeah. Um, is the name of the book. It's a journey through darkness. Um, uh, learning from the loss of a son mm -hmm. is the, is the name of it. And, uh, you just, you just started it. I literally just started it. Um, I have the introduction, the chapters mapped out and I've, I've got the, um, I've got the first chapter just about done. Well, I'm going to um, send you a copy of my book. Um, because I, again, started off on the same idea. Yours will be kind of a memoir. I'm guessing it'll be about the relationship and kind of what's transpired. And I read a couple books before I started mine. One, one is a good book. I would really recommend you getting on Amazon and reading. It's by Steve Grant. Okay. It's called Don't Forget Me. Okay. Steve lost, Steve lost his only two sons to overdose. Oh my gosh. Five both, years apart. Both. Chris and Kelly, only two. So his, the Grant last name ended with the last son. Hmm. And, oh and goodness. he started the Chris and Kelly Hope Foundation in South Carolina. He's raised a million dollars in his foundation. He's a nationally renowned and he, but this happened 20 years ago, Will before any of these. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He goes, you know, the only person I knew that lost somebody was me. I didn't have a group. I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have a, anybody to, I didn't have, the internet was barely, you know, all this conversation right. wasn't here. You and I have immediate families we can add, you know, I add you to my family now. Steve didn't have that. Right. So I, I, I met Steve. I called him when I was writing my book. I sent him my manuscript. I had him really, and he gave me a lot of really good pointers about, about things I, not telling me what to do, but stories I could articulate more on, you know, 
and really help the listener uh, or the reader. But I'd recommend, again, maybe you've done this, but pick out a few books like that and, and really read them. And um, uh, it helped me a lot to talk to some dads and moms that have actually been through this, you know, yes. but I'd be certainly happy to send you. That's my book there. And that's my Please. son. It, so this one's for you, an inspirational journey through addiction, death, and meeting. So I wanted to put the word inspirational in there because I didn't want this to be something that was, you know, I, I wanted people to put the book down and say, damn, I'm going to start a nonprofit today. You know, um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I think the last couple chapters are just extremely uplifting and, um, Good. and I'm sure yours will be too. Um, and that's the plan. And, uh, I, I don't want, I didn't want the, I want people to know how to, to navigate this, this loss. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's really what this is about. It's not about necessarily, I want them to know about addiction and I want to know, you know, the big thing about, you know, city recovery that is the name of the group that we have at our church. Uh, the mm -hmm. name of the church is engaged city church. So it's called city recovery. And one of the big things is, you know, I'm a, I'm a overseer for the group. Um, I, I have a little bit too much on my plate, so I didn't want to, <laughs> because I would have to be there every week right? if I was involved in it every week. And, and I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to be a part of it and I wanted to, to be an overseer for it. And so one of the guys that, that started it called me and he said, so what to you is one of the most important things about this group? And I said, well, I said, before anything else, I said, we need to make sure that these people understand that they're not a project that sobriety is a, is a means to an end that they're, you know, they are important. Mm -hmm. They have to know that they are important, mm -hmm. that they're a soul, that they're not, they're not a project. They're not a mm -hmm. work, something we're working on because that, that, I don't think one of the things that's always struck me is Brock never felt like he was important. Hmm. I, um, yeah. I, guess I think a lot of addicts don't feel like they're important. Right. That people are more worried about them getting sober than they are worried about them. Hmm. And one of the things that I used to tell Brock is, look, buddy, I love you no matter what. And all I care about is you. Mm -hmm. I want you to be sober. and But the problem is, is that I can't care about your sobriety. You have to. Mm -hmm. All I care about is you. Mm -hmm. I care about your health and I care about you. You've got to want your sobriety. You have to want to be sober. I can't do it for you. All I care about is you. I love you and you're important to me. And that's what I told him. I said, you have to make sure that these people know that they are important. And that's what addicts have to know is that they are important. They're not a, <laughs> they're not a dirty addict. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, somebody that's nasty. Mm -hmm. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's father. That's somebody's mother. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm so happy you said that because I was on, I think it was Facebook a year ago, and there was this video some lady took in a Walmart with some mentally ill lady who's just going crazy and stuff, and she's videotaping and they're commenting stuff, and then someone posted, and everyone was, oh, that's hilarious, LOL, LOL, and I, and I jumped in. I finally just, could, I bit my tongue, and I jumped in and said, hey, listen, that's somebody's mom. That's right. somebody's sister that's mentally ill, and this is one of the effing problems why we have in our society is you people sit here from your glass houses 
and you're mocking this person. Sure. It's, it is, it is funny. I sure, but you don't have to go on social media and mock them. Right. I mean, you know, and, and this person, I don't know, was on drugs or whatever, but I, I got so pissed that I normally don't interject myself and boo, boy, you could see all the people starting to agree with me. You know, yeah, Jeff, you're right. You're right. And I'm like, okay, but, but that's one of the problems we have with, with, uh, the way, um, mental health, mental illness is portrayed in, in, uh, right. and that's not really mainstream media would be movies and things, but I mean, even on social media, we just, we make fun. I mean, my son was on, um, I think it's like uh TikTok or something or something. And there was like videos of, there's like an app or they have like meth addicts in, in, in inner cities, like 30 seconds of music playing, like, you know, like disco music or country music. And there's some meth addicts stumbling around. I'm like, I, this just turns my stomach. I don't know how people could sit there and look at a drug at somebody who's having a really bad day, a bad life and laugh at that could have been my effing son. That could have been Brock. Right. And that's just, that infuriates me. And if I ever caught somebody filming someone like that, I'd probably go to jail. And I'd probably be right there <laughs> with you, believe it or not. That makes so. me so mad. And that's, that's, you know, we want to stop these things. We have to stop liking and commenting and posting, you know, discriminating uh, videos like that, People especially mentally help. ill. People they do help. They don't need mocked. Right. You know, they need help. Yeah. But we have a lot of work ahead of us, man. I mean, we do. We're just getting started, but okay. So in a couple of minutes, tell me about your book. When is it going to be out? Uh, um, so like I said, it's a journey through darkness. Um, okay. The loss, you know, talking about the loss of a son. Okay. And um, I'm hoping to have it done hopefully in the next six to eight months. Um, okay. If not a little bit sooner. Um, I'm working with a, with a coach right now. He's, he's going to publish it for me. His name is Daniel Gomez. You know, Daniel? I know Daniel very well. I was on his show and he's great. Yeah, he's awesome. So he's if you need me. a t if you need a testimonial, uh, I'd be happy to add my name to it. Uh, Love it. A testimonial. Let me give me a look at it. Um, you know, and I'd, I'd be happy to help you market it, promote it, because I, with the tour going on here shortly, we're gonna have a pretty big audience that we can uh, we can collaborate together. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. Oh, one thing before I talk more about the book. Um, yeah. So there's a few connections with us that we hmm. failed to talk about. If you remember. Um, Brock's best friend's name was Seth. Oh yeah, that's just eerie as hell. <laughs> God, Brock's best friend's that. name was Seth, and my um, business partner's name is Brock. Right, right. <laughs> and and you live in Iowa, yeah. And and that's where I went to to find God again was Iowa. I worked in Iowa for four years. At, okay, uh, cool. At Dewey Dodge Chrysler Jeep in in uh, Ankeny, Iowa. Lived in okay. Ankeny for almost five years. So, okay. And I've uh, got some friends. I think I've got some friends from Cedar Rapids, believe it or not. Um, I know it's a little bit farther north, but yeah. So, but I spent four years out there. I love the people, hate the weather. Just so you know. <laughs> I, you, 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 I'm untriggerable when it comes to uh -huh. Iowa. Uh, oh, uh, I love agree the there. people, hate the weather. I hate the weather. Look, yeah, Julie, I, I looked at Julie and said, hey, what would you think about going back to Iowa? And she's like, you know, she's doing one of no. these big eyed, fat, fast head shakes. Yeah. I can't see me living. My dad's 90 and my mom died in November and sure. my dad's, I just, I feel I'm just trying to spend as much time as I can. So Absolutely. I think, you know, as long as my dad's here, I'm going to stay here. But when that day comes, um, you know, my boys are starting their lives and, and my son's You're in going college. You're going south, and, I bet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm a scuba diver. My son and I dive all over the Caribbean. Nice. We've been on six trips in the last two years. Nice. Uh, my youngest son, he's 18. 
And I want to live on an island and I've got an island in mind. It's Rotan. It's off the coast of Honduras. I've been there a number of times. It's great nice. diving. It's English language, basically the dollars, the currency. So it's, um, and that's, that's what I want to do. And you know, if I do that, I don't know if I'll just go unplug. I don't know. Part of me says I I'm trying to, I'd love to do this and do all this, but then part of me is like, I wouldn't mind just unplugging, you know, Sure. just, sure. I get it. Just doing, just wash my hands, walk away, you know, just do what I want to do. And I don't know. I'll see. Yeah. I got to get to tomorrow first. Right. Right. I got to get the tour done first. <laughs> right. Right. That well, may be the, my, that may be my end right there. I don't know. Oh, might, you might, is, might run yourself into the ground from what you're telling me. <laughs> Be careful you know, with that, I, brother. I told my, yeah, I, you're like the number of people have warned me. And I, yes, I like, I literally that. won a day. I forgot to eat the other, I had yogurt and forgot all day to eat. I just got, it's just, but I told my staff the other day and I say my staff, there's five people on our team living on her team. I said, you know, there's no downside here. The only downside is running ourselves into the ground. Right. And we got 60 weddings we have to plan. And things are going to go wrong. The brides aren't going to show up. The caterers right. aren't going to show up. We're going to get flat tires. Live with it. Live undeterred, right? Right. I saw yeah. your. I saw that you got got a motorhome. That's pretty cool. I work in the RV business now, so I, I saw I, that too. I saw one of your posts. You had an RV thing. Uh, yeah, I got a 34 foot Hurricane Thor, nice. brand new. Just got it fully wrapped. Um, just picked it up yesterday, and then lo and behold, the slide doesn't go all the way in now. So I, I had to go to Camping World this morning. They're our national sponsor. I bought it through Camping World. They're, That's they're awesome. a big sponsor for us. But I went up there and dropped it off and I'm crossing my fingers because they have seven days to get this slide fixed. And I can't take another RV because right. this is the only one with the wrap like that. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of pressure on my sales manager up there. So sure. Um, sure. Well, listen, well, I'm going to let you go. You're, you're doing an awesome job in for a short sure, amount man. of time. You. Um, you know, I'm always a phone call away if uh, I, I have a, a nice group of humans that if I'm on the ledge, which I have been on in, in six years, uh, numerous times I've been on the ledge. Yep. And just recently as Christmas, I had a real serious brush, um, uh, about a month after my mom died that just, all this was just too much. And right. I had my real, I had my first brush with suicidal ideation, which I've never had since or before. But so I extend that olive branch offer that if you ever have a problem issue, you want to talk, call me and appreciate I'll that. take you. you up on that as well. Yes, um, please. Yeah, my number. Yeah, and good luck with your projects. Uh, I'm here to support you. Um, you know, say hi to Daniel. I, I think the world of him, he does a great job, Daniel Gomez. Yes. Um, yep. Well, listen, man, how can people reach you? What's the easiest way to reach Will Ramsey? Well, so my my speaking is Will Ramsey Ignites. Um, that's my you know, I'm Will Ramsey Ignites. That's my brand. So uh, <laughs> that's it. the easiest way to reach me. Um, you can get me on Facebook. Um, I haven't gotten my Facebook page started with the brand yet, but you can, uh, I'm sure you can find Will Ramsey on there and uh, you can see my videos, Morning Word with Will. And then um, I also have uh, Will Ramsey Ignites, uh, Google My Business or Google My Profile, however you want to say it. I guess they've changed it to Google My Profile now. So Will Ramsey Ignites, Google My, my Business. Um, I've got that up and running so you can hop on there and get that as well. Um, and I'm, I'm bookable for speaking engagements and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to come talk at, at somebody's engagement if they'd like, and, uh, I'd be more than happy to, to come out and share the story. Well, our Ohio stop is going to be in Columbus. So I don't know how far you are from Columbus, but, um, I'm actually less than an hour. 
So I would. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the over. I'll give you the date, and we'd love to have you come out and be what we call local advocates. These are people that are part of our stop, but uh, they're not like on the agenda. But they're certainly going to be advocates, and uh, that'd be a great opportunity for you to network and um, absolutely. You know, I'll extend that to you. It's sometime in June, if I remember okay. right. So, but listen, man, love you like a brother. Keep doing what you you're too, doing, man. man. You All too, right. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.